0: My name is Blake Plimpton. If you don't know me, I work here as the pastoral assistant on staff. I'm also in the process of ordination and a postulant within the Anglican Church of North America. And I occasionally get the opportunity to preach and teach and learn and grow. Um, And I get that opportunity this morning. Um, If you haven't met me yet... Or you would like to meet me, please come tackle me or find me, chase me down. I can be hard to track with some of the things I do on Sunday morning, but I would love to know your story and where, what brought you to living faith and where you're at. If you don't know, last week we started uh, a series called uh, Preparing Through Parables. Preparing Through Parables, and Father Peter introduced that, because Jesus, a lot of the time when he teaches, he teaches in parables and in story in ways that Um, are a lot more provocative and make us think differently than just if we were to hear a three-point, do this, do this, do this. Right, And as we're traveling through Lent, we're really trying to look at ourselves and examine ourselves deeply and ask God to move in and through us so that we might change and be more like Christ. So with that being in mind, let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, we come to you knowing that we are weak and you are strong, that we constantly fail and fall into temptation when you did not. As we journey through the parables you told, reveal to us the ways in which you have been trying to move in us already. Open our eyes, ears, and hearts so that we might be able to see the ways you are calling us into deeper fellowship with you. In your precious name, amen. We're going to be in Luke 8 this morning, so if you want to open a Bible or an app, you can grab one in front of you or open your own. We'll be there. Um, but I just want to do a quick little flyby of what Jesus has been up to at this point. Um, we know that he was born. We had the annunciation of his, um, of his birth. He was born. He grew up. He was baptized. He was on commission. Then he went into the wilderness and was there for 40 days. The devil tempted him, came back, and then he started on his um, on his mission, on his mission to, to become the Christ. And from there, we see him just do many and many a healings and casting out of demons and preaching and teaching in synagogues and he's traveling from city to city to city to city and people are just following him. The crowd is following behind him. And so he wastes no time here. He just Once he comes back from the wilderness, he just goes. And so... Uh, we'll start at verse 1 through 4 to give us a little bit of context, even to this own chapter. But let's see what happens here. So verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. He also had some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had, been, had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chezzah, Herod's household manager. And Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathered, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. So here we have Jesus with a crowd, either a crowd that had followed him through all of these towns that he had been through, or maybe these are some people from other towns that he was going to go to, or people that went back to their towns and said, hey, this this guy Jesus is here, he's preaching, teaching, he's doing miracles, and so maybe they're coming from other towns to see Jesus. So he has this large crowd in front of him, and he has this captive audience, and so he stands up, and he gives this parable. Verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rocks, and as it grew, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Now, I want to just pause one moment. That's kind of weird. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine hearing about Jesus coming and going? He's this amazing preacher and teacher, and he gets up in front of you. you. You maybe walked a day or a half a day, and you're there. You're waiting in the sun. You're sitting out there. You're waiting for this amazing teaching. And he comes up, and he's like, hey, there's a sower, some field, some dirt, some seed. Good luck. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay. And he just walks away. Like, what is that? That's so weird to me. Like, I think sometimes we often think like, okay, he's going to have a bullet point. It's going to, okay, I, you, you're wrong here. So do this and do this and do this and you'll be good. Okay, great. Easy enough, right? But no, he just stands up. He tells a story and then he walks away. This can be. I just want to make us a little unfamiliar with this because I think sometimes we, we can take for granted these stories and, and we're like, okay, I've read this before, I've heard this, I know he's going to explain it afterward. But sometimes we don't get that. Sometimes we don't get the explanation of a story. Sometimes we just get Jesus saying a story and then walking away. And so as we do this, may, may you just marinate in that, contemplate, okay, Jesus, what are you trying to say here? And in this particular passage, we actually do get an explanation because the disciples are a little dumbfounded by this. They're like, okay, Jesus, what did you mean by sower, seed, dirt, and all? Like, what does that even mean? (laughs) And so, Jesus takes time to explain just this. So let's look at verse 11 and 12. says, verse 11, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The one along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So, they, they may not believe and be saved. So, first, we know that the seed is the word, right? We could have imagined this as anything. Maybe this is Jesus sending people out and into a land, you know, into a, into a nation. You know, maybe it could be like the Israelites, you know, I'm spreading like the Israelites. They're to go out and be amongst the people. No, no, no. This is, this is the word of God. So, Jesus is saying, I am the sower, I'm sowing the seeds, and the seeds are the word of God. And the heart then reflects the people who hear the word of God. And so we have this first soil, the path. Now, if you're, if you're going on a trail when you're hiking, or if you even think about our roads, or if you think about something a wagon would trail alongside, there, there are tracks often left in the ground. There's a path made, and the ground has become so hard and compact that almost nothing can grow on it. Right? People are walking on this all the time. Animals are coming by and seeing things, and picking uh, food or fruits. They're picking up the seed. The birds are coming and eating. But the ground has become so hard that if the seed were to even land on there, it probably wouldn't grow. It would just sit there. And so these birds come and they eat the seed or they get trampled underfoot. The heart of a hard person has no room to change. Someone who has hardened their heart to the gospel or to the good news has no room to change or grow or even let it come into their heart and dwell richly in them because they have closed off their heart. This leaves room for the devil to come with his workers and take that word away from them. It has fallen on deaf ears. And then Jesus talks about the rocky soil. Verse 13 And the ones on the rocks are those when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. See, when we look at this, when we see a plant that had fallen on rocks, there's hope. There's hope. We can see that that seed growing, and we can see something come up out of the ground, and it looks like it's going to produce food and fruit. And fruit. And then the season changes. In Arizona, it gets really hot really fast, right? Or the wind might blow so hard that it just rips itself up from the ground. Maybe it's just an immense amount of rain that drowns out the seed, but it has no root, and so it withers and it dies. It has no roots to grow because it's on rocks, and it cannot get its nourishment. It has no foundation for it to hold on to. And so, when the word falls on someone like this, there's hope because they're like, okay, maybe we do see some change. Maybe there's some change in our own heart where we heard the word and we got really excited and said, yes, I'm going to go do this. And then something happens in our life and we fall away. There's people like this everywhere. This happens to us at times where we, where we have moments of doubt and uncertainty and the word hasn't dwelt richly in us enough or we've let, uh, let the soil of our heart become a little bit hardened and let things get in the way that God's word cannot be there with us. I think we can see this in the world's response today even. If we were to think about this a little bit broader. Right? If God's good, then why would so-and-so get cancer? Maybe they believe for a time, and then something terrible happens in their life, and they tend to fall away from the faith. right? Or they encounter something new, like, okay, I believed in God and the Bible, but then I went to college, and you know, I heard about all these science classes and learned about science and how it interacted, and it didn't seem like the Bible and science mashed together. And so I believe silence, science, because it made sense. It wasn't just a story about dirt and plants. Even for us, there might be times and moments in our life where we get tested and trials come across and we hold faith to that word and sometimes it withers away. The testing does come. The third soil is the the seed that falls on on the thorns. Verse 14, As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. See, the soils I find interesting because there's no reason for me to believe, when I, when I read this and I studied it, there's no reason to not believe that the soil the seed landed in was good. There's no reason to believe that it wouldn't grow up into fruit, and it wouldn't produce fruit, and it wouldn't grow into this plant. Right? That soil might be ripe. But the troubles and worries of this world begin to creep in and cause doubt. See, the, the great deceiver, the devil and his workers, they've been around for some time. We, we can think about our own lives of the word planting in us and growing and we change for us some time and then some, some other difficulty or trouble comes along, whether it's temptation from the devil for power or money or sex, or pride, or whatever it might be. And, and we fall to that temptation, and we let that choke us out from our relationship with God and the way this word works. When I, when I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think about the book, The Screwtape Letters, by C.S. Lewis. In chapter 8, he talks about what's called the law of undulation. And in this, he he mentions that a Christian's journey can often be like a wave that goes up and down, up and down, but it's always on this upward trajectory, right? And, and, and a Christian, he, and C.S. Lewis is talking here, and he says sometimes Christians, when, when they're at the peak, when they're, when they're feeling close to God and they feel close to him, it's, it's when those trials and testings come that begin that downward trajectory. That's also when we see the devil tempting us the most, and we see, we see him creeping in and telling us lies of, well, if you had more money, maybe you could do this. Or, you know, maybe if you, if you don't have an Instant Pot, you need an Instant Pot. You need to get everything in the world, right? You need to have this thing, right? in these little ways that the devil tempts us back down. But C.S. Lewis makes the case also that when we are in the depths, when we have nothing else left to do other than to turn to God we turn to him and go right back and draw near and change our lives and grow closer to him. See, the soil could start off great and thorns and thistles and weeds could come in. So we might have had good soil first or we might have let thorns and thistles creep in and yet when we try to grow food there, it just withers away and dies. It can be easy for us. I think it can be really easy for us here in the West, here in the United States, to fall to some of these temptations. It can be really easy to rely on technology and advancements of the world and to, to feed our comforts and our desires and our wants and our stuff. We can go home today and sleep in a room that has a roof, that has a bed that has more clothes in it than I might wear in a year. We have, we have medicines so that when we get sick, we don't have to worry. We can just go to the store and get whatever medicine we need, whether it's NyQuil or DayQuil or Mucinex or whatever it is, instead of wondering, am I going to die? I have nothing to take. There's so many comforts we have in our world in the United States states that if we take them for granted, we can rely on them more than we can rely on the power of God. And the fourth soil is the good soil. Verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience, right, with lots of time. These, these little seeds that God has thrown out, his word can just be planted into our heart. It can grow and take time and then produce fruit in abundance. Matthew um, has an account of this, and he says this about the, 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 good, the seed on the good soil. Matthew thirteen eight. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. That soil allowed for the seed to grow, allowed for fruit to be produced in and through that person, in and through us, right? Just as Bob, a few weeks ago, talked about the orange tree, and the orange tree grew and grew, and it produced oranges. And those oranges were not for the tree, but the oranges were for us to enjoy, right? But that tree has found good soil to grow and to produce much fruit, See, I'm sure we can all point back to a time or a moment where God moved and changed in us and it didn't go bad. There's a moment where all of us did not believe and then we believed. There was a moment in us where we, where we were going through a difficult time and God planted his word writ deeply and richly in our lives. And we allowed him to and it grew in us to produce change. When I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think of my own garden at home. Back when the pandemic started, I had this idea of, for like, months of just starting a garden, and then I had a bunch of time, so I did it. And the plot of land that, or the area that I did it in my parents' backyard was, it was just basically just grass, and it just nothing was there. Nothing had been there in a really long time, and so I just decided to take this huge chunk of dirt and just till it. And I had to till it by hand because we didn't have a tiller. So I had to like dig and get all this grass out. And then my dad comes out in the middle of it. He's like, hey, have you found the cat yet? I'm like, what? There's a cat? I was like, no, I haven't found the cat yet. I was like, I didn't know there was a cat. He's like, yeah, it's Charlie. It was years ago. He's probably, it's okay. I was like, all right, dad, geez. Okay. (laughs) So I just kept digging. I never found the cat. Um, I just kept digging. I took out all the grass and I made this like 20 foot by like 10 foot square of just dirt. And then I bought a bunch of manure and I put it in there and mixed it all in and made this soil great. And then I planted some seeds in it and I started to grow some stuff and it was really exciting. I mean, the first couple days I went out, I mean, I was out there sometimes like day one and day two, like three times a day, like, is anything? Okay, no, nothing's come up yet, just checking. And then like a week passes by, I'm like, I give up hope. Nothing's going to grow here. This is terrible. It's all going to die. And then a couple weeks later, a week later, just little tiny, little tiny bud, just peeking through the dirt. Oh, yes, there's hope. There's hope. I'm going to have zucchini. Great. So I kept tending to it. I kept letting it grow, and I watched these little things bud and bloom, and watched things grow. The carrots started to come up. The the watermelons started to grow out everywhere and reach, and the cantaloupe started to go, and the bell peppers. They were struggling a little bit, but they seemed okay. It's had all this stuff growing. Well, it's about the time when I started to see the flowers that the buds had turned into that I got a little lazy. See, Grass and I have a love-hate relationship. And uh, we had some Bermuda, we have Bermuda back there. And I would just get busy with work or school or I'd get unmotivated because of the pandemic and being stuck at home. And that grass started to creep into my garden. And the zucchini did fine. We had zucchini going out of our ears by the end of it. And we had to give it away. We, couldn't, we hated zucchini so much by the end. We're like, Go ahead, just, just, we don't want it. Give it to whoever you can give it to. Give it to the birds or just throw it in the street, whatever. Um, but the stuff that didn't do so well was the watermelon. Because the grass had come in and it had gone near the watermelon and the vines of the grass that had like gone around that watermelon, the watermelon was going around the grass, and the grass around the watermelon, and it was choking it out. And any chance it got, I couldn't, couldn't clear it out. And that watermelon plant ended up producing maybe one little watermelon, but it wasn't even very good. And then the carrots were very upsetting too. Not only was the ground too hard, but the grass also grew into there and wrapped itself around the leaves of the carrots. And so sometimes when I went to pull the grass, I would pull some carrots with it. And you can't plant carrots again. So I lost the carrots. So eventually fall came around or planting season for the fall came and I looked at my garden and a lot of it was dying because it was it produced its fruit, but there was grass everywhere. And there were dead plants that I had to pull up and take out. And so I had to start over. And so I I tilled the entire thing again. Because I did not take care of that grass. I didn't take care of it early enough. And I let the weeds come in and take. And and I say that because we hear the word of God often. We hear it often when we come to church on Sunday. We hear it in song, in liturgy, and sometimes directly read to us. Sometimes we say it responsively in the Psalms. Sometimes we go through our days every week reading scripture and meditating on it and the seed is just going everywhere. Jesus is spreading his word all within our heart and we're letting it plant there and be there. And yet, yet sometimes it doesn't grow. So the question that came to my mind when I was thinking about this is thinking about, well, what is the condition Of my soil. Or said a little bit differently, what is the condition of my heart when I encounter the Word of God? What is the condition of my heart as I encounter the Word of God? See, temptation is all around us. We're living in this period of already and not yet. The kingdom of God is here, but it is not in full. So we have to deal with the effects of sin. We have to deal with temptation, knocking at our door, and wanting to creep its way in. I think sometimes when I first read this passage, I was thinking, okay, yeah, well, maybe I'm supposed to be the sower and and the sea is God's word, and I'm supposed to do this and look at other people's hearts and hope that they receive it well. And I had to hit the brakes really quick and be like, okay, what's the condition of my own heart? How am I hearing God's own word? Is it dwelling richly and deeply in me? Or have I let sin creep in and stay and fester and be present and choke out the word of God when it lands on my heart? Have I become hardened to the gospel that even when I hear it, it falls on deaf ears? Have I made my heart so hard that I cannot change by by God's own word? Have I let other unsettled conflicts or relationships or sin get so hard that it's become rocky that even when the sin lands there, it it might look good, it might seem great, and yet, when trials and tribulation come, it withers away. Because I have left my heart hard in this spot. And I've let the rocks stay stay there. Am I too worried about my own comforts to go out of the way to talk to someone that's homeless? Have I, have I worried too much about my own comfort to let the word of God come in and change me and produce fruit? Have I let the devil come and tempt me and not say, go away, Satan? Have, have I let my heart grow these weeds that will just choke out the word? Have I heard and I, has God changed me in ways that I now, I now see you're not there? What is the condition of my heart when I encounter the word of God? See, we need to tend to our own soil. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to come in us to, as a light to reveal the places in which our hearts have become hard or we let rocks remain there or we let weeds come in and choke out the word of God and reveal to us the ways that we need to change. We must tend to the soil of our hearts if we want God to produce fruit in us. It is God working in us deeply and richly It is coming with a heart that is not hardened to the gospel, to the good news that Christ has died, that he is risen. What is the condition of my heart when I encounter the word of God? Brothers and sisters, do not let this season of Lent just pass by. Do not let this season of Lent, this time to to intentionally remove temptation in our life, go by. Do not just sit passively as this is another season of the year, another church year. I've heard this story before. Prepare your heart. Tend to the soil so that you might hear God. that He might produce fruit in you and bring about change. Let me pray, Jesus. There are many a ways that we cannot let Your Word dwell richly within us, God. If we've hardened our own heart, or if we've let things remain that we, we've encountered before, Lord, may You may You soften our hearts. Help us to soften our hearts to your word, to scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, to know that you are the living God. Create in us clean hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, continue to go with us today, throughout this week, preparing our minds and our hearts and readying ourselves to hear your word. Jesus, I pray that as we encounter your word, Lord, that you would reveal to us the ways in which we can change or the temptation in our life that we need to remove. God, be with us and strengthen us in this season. I pray this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen.